God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. How about Christoph Waltz being so compelling on the screen? He was so great in Glorious Bastards, especially that first scene. Great in Django. Just great in all the stuff. He, I think he won Golden Globes and Oscars even for some of that shit. Have you ever seen an interview with him? I love him, dude. You know why? He's like a fucking nerd. Dude, that dude is G-A-F. What does that mean? German as fuck, dude. Here's the difference. <laughs> Here's the difference between British and Germans. Say something nice to me and I'll be the British guy. Oh, you were phenomenal in this new film. Congratulations. You're being much, much too kind. I, I was surrounded by uh, some of the great actors in this. I, it was it was a small part in a in an ensemble of, of greatness. I, I'm, I was more than thrilled to be a part of it. it, it uh, but you're, very, you're being much, much too kind. All right, now... Now, now tell me that I'm a good actor and I'll be the German guy. Uh, your performance in this new film was just absolutely outstanding. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the Germans don't fuck around. Man. They're just like, they don't do any of the bullshit that the English do where they like do this sort of self-effacing like bullshit. They just like call it like it is. Whatever it is. And sometimes they're absolutely wrong but whatever they believe to be true they just stick with that they don't give a fuck my my just image of him and press is him just being kind of like goofy giggly tee hee hoo wee hee bing 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 it's like what <laughs> yeah i do i i do think that all the great actors should not do interviews like Robert De Niro never did it. He didn't do an interview for 30 years. So when you saw him, you were, he was just that guy. He was the guy in Casino. He was the guy in Goodfellas because you never saw him interview. And then finally, kind of after 9-11, he started being interviewed and you were just like, oh, this guy's like not those guys. Yeah. You realize he's, oh, he's just kind of a. Yeah, it breaks the spell. It really breaks the spell. You don't want that. No. People who love movies and music were like, let us believe in magic. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do, dude. And me and you probably make music because we lived off that magic for so long and we want to spread the fucking joy of it. And we yeah. make it for ourselves too because people like Robert De Niro start doing interviews and you're like, well, another magic trick spoiled, ruined. I gotta just gotta make my own shit. I will say this though. Every once in a while, you're shocked and surprised by somebody once you get to know him. Like Jason Isbell in real life, in all his interviews and stuff, super likable. Like, I love that guy. And then the other guy, Bob Dylan. Do you ever listen to his radio show? I'm serious. It's no. so good. I've heard Dude, it's good. Uh, it's so good because he's so likable and smart. He's just. He's incredible. And so that happens every once in a while. Some, but most of the time, like you don't want to watch, you don't want to listen to Paul Simon getting interviewed. It's a real <laughs> bummer. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, when you watch Paul Simon, you're like, yeah, I don't think he's a nice guy deep, uh -uh. deep down under all that shit. Yeah, he's a real, he's a real 
cactus of a person. <laughs> He's a cactus. Yeah, Dylan always seems real cool, man. Dylan is the coolest ever, and I'll tell you why. Because one of the most famous musicians of all time has been for a long time, and no one knows anything about him. Oh, yeah. Shapeshifter, misdirecting, unreliable narrator, never explains his songs, never explains anything he does. You never see pictures of him. In fact, the only time you see hear about him is when he's wearing a hoodie out in the rain, looking through people's windows, being picked up by the police. And they're like, they think he's a fucking bum. And he's like, I just wanted to see how normal people live. And they're like, well, where can we take you? And he's like, oh, my buses are all over here. They're like, yeah, right. And then they take him and then it's him. It's Bob Dylan. He just walks in the dark and the rain and looks through windows into people's houses, living normal lives. And no one knows anything about his life. Never does interviews, never does press. I bet he liked doing that radio show because he loves music. It was probably just him talking about all the music he loves. You don't get a, a window into him. Right. You get a window into his thoughts on certain types of music. But even that window, you don't know if what he's saying is true or not. I, what it is is cool. What it is is funny as fuck. He's just so smart. He does this thing where he's like, look, I'm not going to tell you what to think. You're smart. You know what's you know what's up. I'm just gonna play this thing for you. And you know, you know what it is. And then it'll play some shit that of course you've never fucking heard of. <laughs> right. It's fucking from nineteen ten. Yeah. But you're like, yeah, I like this. I'm cool. I'm hip. I'm Bob Dylan's buddy. Right. And I know what's up. And he just does it so effortlessly. Instead of doing what I do or any, a lot of people do, it's like, dude, you got to check this out, man. It's so fucking cool. Check it out. He's like, you know what's up? <laughs> this came out. You got it. I don't even know why I'm even talking about it. You already know all this shit. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here it is. <laughs> and then I'll just play it. And you're like, I think I like this. Because he's cool, man. He, he weaves the spell. Yeah. He's so great at that. Smart, man. There's a, so he, if you, if, you know, I've been going through a big Dylan thing the last three, four years. Everyone knows who listens to me. And you know me, I do the, I do what I call the deep dive and shit. When I like shit, I fucking figure I want to get my hands on it. That's just how I, that's how I am. That's how yeah. God made me. Right. So I did that with Dylan. Not a lot of interviews out there. <laughs> he didn't do many. And there no. he did one because he got, he tried to make a movie. He tried to get into films. He tried to be an actor and he did a movie called Hearts of Desire or Hearts of Fire, some shit like that. And I think that uh, he got finally finagled by the people that were making that shit to do some press for it. And you could tell he didn't want to. So there's this amazing interview where he's in his dressing room while he's filming that movie and a guy comes in and you can tell Dylan's not really feeling it, not really into it. He never does interviews, but he's somehow his will has been bent by the many machinations of what it's like to make movies and producers and all this shit. The whole time the guy's interviewing him, he's just drawing, furiously scribbling, misdirecting answers. And some of the things he even says, I'm not going to talk about that. Like the guy's talking about blowing in the wind and shit. He's like, I'm not going to tell you what any of my songs mean. So let's just skip all those. The journalist is like, oh, okay. Whole time he's just scribbling furiously. He's like, hey, can I see that paper? And he's telling the journalist, don't move, don't move. And what he's doing the whole time is he's, drawing the dude's face and he holds it up at the end and it looks real good kind of shit like you do 
Have you seen his paintings? No. I guess I guess you got to dive a little deeper. Uh, well, he has an album called Self Portrait that is one of his paintings. That's like the only one I've seen. Well, his paintings looked, you know, he paints from photographs and they look just like they're they're very realistic. Like they're, they're very well rendered. Like you know, a lot of people like Jerry Garcia or Paul McCartney, they'll paint and it's kind of bullshitty looking, but his stuff actually looks like a real painter. Hmm. Oh, it's, dude, that's just unlocking a thing in me. He got super into painting. I forgot about this. It's like a really big part of his story where he met this like art teacher. That's where Blood on the Tracks came from. He that's why Blood on the Tracks, he credits it to being so good, is because he learned to paint from this like he basically went and lived with some guy in, in New York, some famous painter. You probably know who it is. So anyway, I forgot about that. That is a big part of his world. So he's pretty good. That's that's always nice because someone like Paul Stanley paints yeah. paints pictures of himself in kiss makeup. And well, like, I don't even I don't even think he I, I think he has painted a few of those, but I, I think he just has a bunch of people that are just painting those for him because they're real they're not good. But people don't care. And what they want is they if you buy one of his paintings, they're real expensive. They're like, you know, 10 grand or whatever, but you get to meet him. Like he'll, he'll give it to you. You know what I mean? He'll, you can meet with him and he'll say hi to you and go, Hey, thanks for buying my painting. It's real nice. So you, it's, it's more about like, it's almost like a souvenir of having an interaction with him that costs you 10 to $35,000 or something. <laughs> well, if people are willing to pay it, I mean, that's what you do, I guess. I mean, Gene Simmons does the same with bases. Yeah. You know, he has these bases that are kind of custom that he signs, but he'll hand them to you and spend five minutes saying your name over and over again, making you feel real good. Those guys are just printing money. I told someone the story just last night about him saying Bob Schneider. Yeah, I just kept saying it over and over. And every time he said it, it was like somebody licking my butthole. <laughs> it just felt so good. It's like, say it again. And he did, because he knows. He gets it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's interesting. People really don't like him. People really hate him, but I love him. I just, I think he, I think he figured it out. I think he figured it out. My new song this month is called, or this week is called, Gene Simmons Has a Change of Heart. It's a good title. It's pretty good. It's, uh, it's probably my favorite song that I've written in the last, six months so and it's not that good <laughs> so that that should tell you something <sighs> that should tell you a lot i'm in a season where i don't even know anymore i don't even know if anything's good anymore but that's kind of the point of it you write through all that i don't care i'll keep doing it yeah me too what else am i gonna do and i don't ever think about it anymore I know that when I sit down and I have the time to do it, that something's going to come out. It may be something I really love, maybe something I never listen to again. But I no longer worry that something won't happen. Something always does happen. I do find if my life is rich in new content, then it's going to reflect in my songwriting. But if I'm just doing the same thing over and over again, Groundhog Day, which I kind of have been for a while. That's going to reflect as well. So what does that mean for you? That, does that mean getting, listening to some new records, listen, watching some new movies? I feel like for me, the strongest songwriting I've done as an adult happened around a few different things. Lonely Land kind of happened. I wrote a lot of those songs right after I got sober. 
which was a you know pretty important time in my life. Lovely creatures. I wrote a lot of those songs around just after my son was born, like when he was two ish, when I was getting to know him as a kind of a human being. Mm-hmm. And then the newest record in a room full of blood, same thing. Wrote that around the time my daughter was, you know, three ish. And, you know, getting to know her as a human being and really deeply, like, it was just moving. Like, you know, those, my, my kids and my sobriety, arguably, not arguably, the, the three most important things in my life. And, uh, you know, so I, I wrote some really nice songs during that time. Now, my songs aren't, I'm not wearing fucking sweatpants. I'm not doing long tuning and and the songs aren't like, oh, I had a son and his name is Luke. And, and uh, you know, he was drinking out of a styrofoam cup. Right. Because I like to write what we call in the business songs that don't suck. But I think that's the technical term. That's what was so offensive about it. I was like, you're not even trying to challenge. It, it, it's like the songs just fell out of her fucking mouth. Like, I don't know, dude. It was like, dude, go back to your barista job. Go make coffee for aging Christian hipsters, please. I do wish music was more like stand-up comedy, where in stand-up, you can't get away with bullshit. No. You're either making people laugh or you're bombing. But in music, you can just go up and play the worst bullshit, and you can find somebody to fucking buy into it. But now, now with comedy, it's a blank check culture, and I cannot stand it. I cannot fucking stand the blank check shit because people are scared and people want blank checks from everybody. They want to get away with their own shit, so they forgive a bunch of bullshit too. Because that's they want to live in a blank check culture. Hey, man, it's their art, dude. Art subjective, dude. They're trying to just create something, dude. I want to hang out with that guy a lot. Yeah, it's like yeah, but it's not good, dude. That's all. It's it's not a good effort. Here's the problem with you and me. We both know what it takes to write a song. We both know what it takes to write a good song, a bad song, and a great song. And so when we see good songs or bad songs or mediocre songs, we're like, eh, who gives a fuck? <laughs> it's kind of like I have a friend who's a director, and he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I can talk as much shit about him as I want. But... I went and saw Top Gun Maverick and it was nice. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, what'd you think? And I was like, ah, it's fine. And he just went crazy on me. (laughs) He goes, of course it's fine. What else could it fucking possibly be? But fine. (laughs) Wow. And I'm like, well, the guy that I went to, the, the guy that I, I was talking to another guy who saw it. He said, oh, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. And it's not. It's a good movie. It's fine. Yeah. Most things are just fine. But he, being a movie maker, will never achieve the success of Top Gun Maverick Mm -hmm. or Top Gun ever in his life. Mm -hmm. And so he has to find fault with it. Right. The only thing he can like is something that nobody's ever seen or the director's dead or the director died before he was born. Right. Right. Something that has absolutely no 
it doesn't threaten competing him. Yeah. doesn't threat no no competition with what he's doing now when you or me see some lady and when i say lady i mean sort of a child adult whatever that is yeah a, per, a person who should be a, a person who's an a, the age of an adult but acting like a small child on stage tuning wearing gym jams or stuff that you should never leave your bedroom or your living room wearing writing about the most mundane bull boring bullshit you and i aren't gonna like it because we are besides being thanks daddies here's a lyric I'm oh, are you bring? Are you doing the lyric of yeah, this chick? Because you have to really hear it. Because I, because here's oh, what I'm dude. afraid of. Hold now, on, hold on. I'm just. I got to settle in and get my ears opened <laughs> wide because I know I'm gonna hate. This. Here's what I'm afraid of, Bob. I'm afraid that when I recited some of the lyrics from memory to you, that you thought, ah, uh, you know what, Clint's funny. Clint distilled her whole thing into a couple of funny lines about styrofoam, and he just d- gave me a great shot of what it is. No. Here are the lyrics. I met you in a hallway, drinking coffee out of styrofoam. You said, I should have brought my own mug. I said, yeah, me too. You said, well, what can you do? Take my number down. We can meet up when we're both in town. That's the verse, first verse. Let me guess what the next verse is. See if, see, I want to see how far off I am. Okay. We met up at your apartment. I took off my pants. I opened up my butt cheeks wide to expose my anus. You put your large, hard dick in my anus. You made the poop come out of my butthole and drip down to the bed. I said, that hurts, but it feels good. Can I take a shower now? You said, put my girthy dick in your mouth. And I did. And then I took a shower. Am I pretty close to that second verse? Dude, were you cheating? Were you reading the lyrics sheet? <laughs> Dude, I looked it up on Google. I looked it up on Google. Of course, I got the lyrics right. I know it sounded like, oh, how is he getting these lyrics right? I looked it up on Google. Here's one. I spilled a glass of water the second that I met you, apologized to the bartender, and laughed. You were so disarming with all of your sincerity. I really could have died. You really had me. Rap. All right, let me guess what the second verse is, ready? <laughs> Let's hear your version of the second verse. So the second verse starts. I laughed so hard that we fell into bed. I opened up my blouse. I asked you to shit on my chest. You did. You shot long and hard. We laughed. Then I took a shower. <laughs> Dude, once again, you've 100% nailed the exact lyrics. I'm going to give you I'm gonna give you one more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really starting to reevaluate this this artist. I don't know why I couldn't see this when I was there. Here's another one, and then I want to hear your follow up. And these are real, by the way. I undid my jacket, draped it on a chair, forgot it had been raining, and that I was drenched. You got us some ciders, and we slowly sipped them, and I lost track of time, forgot what time meant. All right. Bob, finish this out here. The second verse was, I read the newspaper. Ha ha. I've not touched paper in my entire life. I opened up my Bank of America app 
and realized that I was getting close to having only $40 in my app. And then we both, (laughs) we both peed on each other (laughs) drastically. (laughs) And then I took a shower. (laughs) Dude, you don't want that drastic pee. Here's what I've discovered. If you're going to pee on somebody or they're going to pee on you, you want it to be kind of a romantic pee. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I really don't want to... It, it's, it's, it's blurry. I, I hate to say this, Clint, but that actually looks like you. <laughs> <laughs> when it's blurry, it looks like a picture of you wearing glasses. Wow. I could not be more offended by that. Well, it was blurry. I really don't think I could be more offended by it. <laughs> Show it to me where it's not blurry. <laughs> but when you were, I was like, oh, is that your new promo photo? <laughs> I'm showing Bob a picture of this girl. I can't. It just, it's blurry. <laughs> well, I don't know what to so, do, dude. Can you blow it up so I can see her face? I'll tell you what, I'll text it to you All right. when we go off air. Okay. I mean, look, dude. She's doing the best she can, and yeah. it's no big yeah, deal. I hope she keeps writing songs, and I hope she finds her people. It's no big deal. It's just that I didn't think it was very good. And you're right, dude. In comedy, no blank checks, period. There's a comedian that I like a lot named Dusty Slay who lives in Nashville. I was listening to his podcast, and in his podcast, he's just sitting at sitting with Mark Norman, and they're just talking comedy. It's really fascinating. And dude, the shit they're just saying to each other, not even trying to be funny, could be in their stand-up acts. They're just so chiseled and fucking honed on that shit, dude. Yeah. And when they're landing these jokes with each other, not a lot of laughing. No, the, it's really kind of a, a lot of them going, "Oh yeah." They're like they're like acknowledging the jokes like, "Yep, got it. That was good." I mean, except for except for Bill Hader and maybe David Spade, when comedians are like nailing jokes, they won't laugh. Like it's almost a point of pride not to laugh. Yeah, yeah, you can't what is that? What's going on there with that? I don't know. I don't know. What or they're that just is. so ground down from it, dude. Ha ha. I think as human beings, they're so ground down. And again, it's like you and me. Like we know what a song is. We know what that takes, and and they know what a joke is, and they know what comedy is. So for them, they kind of maybe they see it coming a mile away, and they're like okay, I, I saw that coming. You know what I mean? It's not surprising, maybe. Yeah. Even though it's funny, to them, it's like, okay, another day at the office. It's like it's like sex workers, you know? Are they going to find the same joy from an a- afternoon tryst? You know what it is? I just realized a, a, something comparable for me, at least. I, as the band leader in this this band that I'm in, when we're out doing sound checks, dude, and I've told my guys this, I'm like, listen to me. I do not give a fuck about all the little noodles you're playing. I don't care that you're playing the riff to something funny. I don't care about all your cute little... When we're up here, we're trying to get the sounds dialed in, and I don't want to hear a bunch of your shit. It's unprofessional, and I'm over it. I don't care. I don't care that you can play the Eddie Van Halen lick from Hot for Teacher. Don't fucking do it to me, dude. And don't do it to anyone here. Because yeah. no one cares that you can do that, and you, you know, we're musicians, dude. You put a guitar, put a guitar in your guitar player. They want to pick it up and play it. But <clears throat> I had a, I had, a, I was in the dressing room recently, and one of someone came in and 
Of course, they had to pick it up and they had to just do some cutesy little bing, bing, bing. That's what it must be like for comedians. Because whoever was doing this, they were playing something nice. Right. But I, I saw it coming from my way. I know what it is to do it. And I and who's that for? It ain't for me. I don't care. Save it for the Dude, stage. Dude, comedians don't want you to try to be funny no. around them. No. Here's what, here's what I've noticed. Like when I'm on stage, especially if I'm playing solo, sometimes I'll get hot and I'll say some funny shit. And then when I get off stage, people will come up to me and they'll like start trying to do some riffs or try to do some funny jokes. Mm-hmm. And it's real annoying. Because you're like, look, let me do that. I'm, I'm the captain. I'm setting the tone. And we're not doing that right now. Or unless you're funny. Like if you're funny, that's fine. Most people aren't. Most people aren't. And mo- you know, people when they come up and go, "Hey, I got this song that you might be interested in covering." I'm like, "Probably not. I don't want to hear your song." And they're like, "Oh, here's the CD." I mean, I don't get CDs anymore. I used to though. I'd love you to listen to this. How many times out of a hundred is that CD going to suck? One hundred ninety nine ninety nine. No, not a hundred. Every once in a while, one one's good, but. We used to do it in the van days because all we had was a CD player. And on an eight-week tour, you would accumulate 20 of those. Right. Some people at shows and fans that are in bands. And Well, we used, to, we used to go to radio stations and get CDs from their, like, from their closet. Right. Which those would be actual like CDs of bands that actually got signed. You yeah. know? Like, those and are those were all even, shitty. Yeah. Well, there would be always be like a day in the van where we were so tired of whatever we were talking about or listening to that we were like, we would get that fucking handful of demos or whatever that we'd gotten and we would just start listening. And you're right. There'd be, all right, there'd be one or two that would be interesting. But So dude, you sent me a picture of this artist yeah. performer. Mm-hmm. And now that I can see it clearly and it's not blurry, the resemblance to you is about 98%. <laughs> Except for her, like, like, mouth and nose okay two of the main features of the face right but if you if i were to put like a black stripe across her nose and mouth (laughs) and just show all of the rest of her i'd be like oh that could be clint well i'm not loving this portion but i accept it i can't control what i look like neither can she and neither can anybody neither can jesus i think you're a handsome man so what does that tell you about this singer-songwriter is what I'm saying. What's interesting is I'm looking at a bunch of pictures of her right now to try to A, find one that doesn't look like me and B, find another funny one to send you. And then none of these pictures does she look the same as the other pictures and in none of these pictures does she look like the way she looked last Saturday when I was there in front of her. By the way, my wife went and saw Connor Oberst and she said, he doesn't look like a combination of you and Clint. He looks just like Clint. Oh, God. Now let me look. Connor Oberst, 2022, after being ravaged by a decade of fucking boozing and fucking off. That's what I look like. Somebody said he, somebody told me that he passed out on stage and then they had to do karaoke. Uh, Really? Yeah. I get, man, once you, if you're sober and then you get off the, you get back on the juice, you, it's never good. Like you can get away with it. But once you start back up again, did he, uh, <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Dude, I'm about to send you a picture of Connor Oberst. <laughs> it's not I'm good news. I'm pictures of Connor Oberst. It's not good news. Aren't are necessarily good pictures of Connor Oberst. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This guy does not. You're you're more handsome than he is. I will. I'll just. I feel that. like the, okay. the. I feel like. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to say the, that the damage has been done, dude. The, yeah, I don't know what to say except you're better. Oh, I was good. Yeah, that's one of the ones I saw. The one you sent me, but I I found one that's even worse. Well, look. All you can do is work with what you got and try to be the best version of yourself. <clears throat> Anyways, Connor, if you're a friend of the show, I mean, <laughs> I I think you're one of the great songwriters of of my lifetime so keep it up and you'll figure it out all right let's kick it the secret weekly bye (laughs) 